feature presentation. Welcome back to another Untitled Movie Review. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside. He's allergic to tomatoes, but he is tomato meter approved. Eric Marchin. <laughs> you can't fake that. You can't fake I, that on a true uh, crime podcast, Matt. <laughs> I was trying to do my like This American Life uh, NPR NPR, voice. Yep. yeah. I got it. But I had cashews still in my mouth. So how are you doing, man? I'm good. I'm I'm glad that you uh, were not choking. Um, I also like ready for your, uh, your for a BJ? professional. Sure, <laughs> always. <laughs> Today we are reviewing BJ Novak. That's where that came from. Uh, Vengeance, uh, directed by BJ Novak, written by BJ Novak, starring BJ Novak, and produced by Jason Blum. Uh, also starring uh, Boyd Holbrook, Dove Cameron, Issa Rae, Ashton Kutcher, uh, J. Smith Cameron. Uh, what a burger. Yeah, what a burger. Main star, what a burger. Um, Eric, I, I did already ask you, but how how you doing today? We just recorded our uh, first solo episode of Tiff Talk 2022, where we cover uh, all the gala and special presentations announcements. So you guys can go check that out. That should be out right now on the Untitled Movie Podcast channel. Um, but how are you doing? I'm doing 100%, Matt. 100%. <laughs> Did you think about us throughout I the did. whole movie? The when, whole time when, I was like, yeah. I can't. It's taking me out of the film, especially with the, you, the true villain of the movie, John Mayer. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. Um, yeah, I was thinking about us uh, quite a bit. If people were our longtime listeners, they w- might know that one of our OG catchphrases was 100% because Eric and I would literally say that to each other all the time. So a movie about podcasts where the characters say 100% a lot, as well as go to a burger joint, and the, a burger joint being a prominent feature uh, of this movie. Uh, Eric, what, one scene. what the hell is Vengeance, and what did you think of it? Yeah, so you mentioned that this is BJ Novak's feature-length directorial debut, which he also wrote and stars in. It's a Jason Blum production, but it's not necessarily um, a traditional horror movie. It's more of a kind of light genre film with the true crime component coming through. Social satire. Yeah, Novak plays a uh, sort of player... Uh, aspiring podcaster and New York City writer. He works for The New Yorker, but he wants to write a piece about the American divide, uh, specifically liberals versus conservatives, Republicans versus Democrats. And he sees his opportunity uh, come together when one of his flings uh, mysteriously dies of an opioid uh, overdose, which the family asks him to come to Texas to attend the funeral because they believe that Novak was actually much closer uh, to the deceased uh, Abby, uh, Abby Shaw, who he really wasn't. He didn't really know anything about her. It was just kind of a one night stand kind of thing at best, even though there are some texts and things like might, that. It might have been a multiple night stand, but it was a night stand. Yeah. There's not much of a relationship there. And that's kind of like the 
sort of the pitch or the the idea that Novak came up with initially, you know, having somebody attend someone else's funeral that they didn't really know, but the family or the people that are are mourning this person believe him to be a, a, an important figure in in this person's life, and from there, you know, he gets the idea Novak to follow the lead and follow the characters that he interacts with in West Texas. Uh, when talking to Boyd Holbrook, who plays Ty, the uh, brother who's kind of your classic rootin' tootin', gung-ho, you know, shoot first, ask questions later type who believes that Abby was murdered. Um, And from there, you kind of get this noir, neo-noir kind of story where Novak is recording all these interviews and he's sending them to a potential producer played by Issa Rae, who's kind of giving him advice as uh, a podcaster along the way and is listening in on the stories. There's some interesting stuff there where like Ray will press play on a specific um, audio file and then the scene starts, which I thought was really interesting and well done. Um, And from there, you kind of are introduced to an idiosyncratic amount of characters, whether it be the Shaw family or Ashton Kutcher in probably his best performance of his entire career as a record producer. Um, It's a movie that is very surprising. And I think why I liked it so much is the character is obviously trying to take this kind of very broad approach of sort of, you know, finding the story of the disconnect with America and why certain parts of the world or parts of the country and even the world nowadays are, you know, kind of divided in the way that they are and, 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 and looking at ethics and points of view and perspectives and what we're saying as a country as a whole. And then you have this really interesting kind of subplot of, you know, this interloper coming in and trying to exploit a very tragic situation. And from there, I mean, the the story is very much, you know, an asshole who becomes less of an asshole, but it's done in a way where it's like, expect the unexpected and always be surprised by where the story goes. Yeah, I'm a thousand percent with you. I think you, you nailed it. A hundred percent. <laughs> a thousand percent this time. Um, yeah, a hundred percent. You're absolutely correct. Um, I, uh, yeah, I like that fish out of water asshole kind of taking advantage of, you know, this small town Texas family. And I like the juxtaposition between, you know, the, the liberal soft boy coming in from New York and, and, and learning the Texan way kind of thing and, and, and drop in and thinking it's all kind of strange how they act and, and, you know, how, you know, many people in the U S the two sides view each other, which I think, and not just the U S I think, you know, in Canada, we have that too with, with, uh, areas of, of Canada and, and, you know, the coastal sides of it versus middle America and middle Canada and stuff like that. Like, and I think using that podcast angle was actually quite clever. And, and I'm kind of with you where I was just like pleasantly surprised, uh, throughout the same thing, throughout the entire thing. Like I thought it never kind of maybe goes super deep into anything that it's saying, but I thought, you know, it's satire that it's showcasing to you was clever and kind of engaging and fun, funny and, and interesting and charming at times and then disturbing at times. And, um, I, I just felt like it, you know, thoroughly enjoyable. Um, and I thought BJ Novak kind of crushed it for out of the gate for his first movie. And, and the thing that did stand out to me was I love the family dynamic. It always went to places that 
weren't necessarily you mentioned surprising and so have I, but like surprising in a way that was also surprising, if that makes sense. Like it's more complex sense, than like, you would think yeah. that you know, the way that the caricatures or stereotypes of yeah. redneck Republican types are usually portrayed. I I when talking to you um and even in my Rogers review, I said that this does what don't look up failed yeah. to do because it's a film that isn't necessarily just preaching to the choir, the choir being mm. a liberal elite, the coastal yeah. elite. It's actually making complex characters out of, you know, the, the, the South. And it's actually yeah. showing that these people are more layered as individuals. And yes, they do have flaws and there are things about them that you cannot kind of, you know, just, blatantly shrug aside especially yeah. what's going on right now with you know like the u.s supreme court and things like that but yeah. at the same time novak does something a lot more intelligent than what adam mckay does and that yeah. is he doesn't just write them off you know he shows i think that was the most surprising characters. thing to me yeah and that's what was i was pleasantly surprised throughout because i think i was expecting more of the one-sided um, element of it where they are portrayed in a certain way. And, and, and I, I guess I wasn't sure what I was expecting, but the family is much more nuanced than that. And I feel like they start out as caricatures and they want you to think that way. Um, but the more time you spend with that family and the more you learn about them. Yes, I agree with you that it is showcasing, I think both sides in a fairly honest way where it's like, there are some good and some bad on both both sides of things they're not just saying everyone is awful it's more so saying the other thing of like not everyone is awful and there are some elements that everyone's just human and i think that means a good thing and a bad thing from from all the characters throughout the movie and i think that's you know perfectly summed up in that last act and stuff like that which we won't get into but um yeah, I, that's I think was the most surprising thing about the movie where i found myself going oh okay you're seeing another you know, especially from us, we live in a big city in North America, much like BJ Novak's character does. I haven't spent much time in Texas or Calgary or, or anything like that. Like I just, you, you view it in movies in different things or what you read online and how people are portrayed. And yeah, there's a big section of people that contribute to some of the shittier aspects of, of these areas of saying, I don't want to visit Texas for this reason, X, whatever, because of the Supreme court, because of their gun laws and all this kind of stuff. But it was interesting seeing that world and seeing a character that's probably more like us dropped into that situation and seeing how he deals with it, how he tries to exploit them, but tries to make himself feel better about it throughout the whole thing or feel like he's doing a good thing or, or showcasing them for a real, you know, of just what I'm kind of talking about of, of showing the world what they really are like or whatever. And even viewing it as that is kind of condescending and, and interesting throughout the movie and, and showing them as characters and not people. And I think the movie flatly like blatantly showcases that to you. But um, yeah, I was just like, I thought it was funny and without being like the satire wasn't like opposite of don't look up that beats you over the head with it. Um, again, this isn't necessarily going super 
layered with it, but like it is kind of showcasing it in an interesting way. And I thought going back to Ashton Kutcher as well to focus on him for a second, like I was blown away by him throughout the whole movie. Like the moment he comes on screen, he just kind of owns it. And uh, and like you could see even BJ Novak's character being taken aback by him. And like um, I just was like, damn, Ashton Kutcher is gr- fucking great in this movie. And I'm like, good for him. Like, it's a guy that I've always kind of liked. Um, I was a huge That 70s Show uh, fan. And I know he had The Ranch on Netflix for a while, but all the Danny Masterton stuff kind of, you know, clouded that. And I I don't, I think The Ranch was going on up until like a couple years ago. Um, But he hasn't been in a movie in a good amount of time. And a, a big chunk of my youth with That 70s Show and Dude, Where's My Car? And, um, you know, even something like butterfly effect when he tried to do something a little bit more, uh, I guess, quote unquote, serious. Like I've always kind of liked that guy and he just felt so natural in this role as this, is this Texan, uh, record producer and, and he plays it so perfectly and he has such a great monologue in, in the last act of the movie that I was just like, damn, Ashton Kutcher, you got it, man. Like you still have it. And not that, I said he had it before, but he always worked in those roles that I mentioned. Like he's so good at as Kelso, I think. And like in Dude Where's My Car was just a perfect time. Like I'm sure that movie does not hold up at all. I haven't watched it right. probably in 20 years, and it's probably problematic and and not great at times, but I just felt like he absolutely crushed it here. And he also got kind of put into that like category of they, they, they kind of tried to do a little bit of everything with him where, like, you, you know, you mentioned Even Butterfly Effect. I forgot. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, God, that. Um, where, like, you look at things like the rom-com side of him. Like, you know, they had, you know, what happens in Vegas just with him and married, Cameron. Right? Just married. Um, yeah. with, with Brittany Murphy. You had No Strings Attached with Natalie Portman, which is one of, like, those, like, weird, like, Mad Libs pairings. Um, I'm not an Ashton Oh, right. Kutcher that fan. was probably his, well, Jobs, I guess, was his last. Oh, God big thing so i forgot bad. about jobs so yeah. <laughs> jobs is fan. awful i'm like, not cause... a fan of ashton kutcher but i agree with you i think that this performance is so subtle and subdued and the way that he i guess like... i'm only a fan let me clarify that 70s show i really liked right That's right it. <laughs> so um, anyways but yeah he's he's so subdued and the way that he plays with the monologues especially in that scene that you're referring to reminded me a little bit of of network you know and i like i feel like bj novak is taking some influences and references from you know patty chayofsky with you know like it reminds you a little bit of like certain scenes in network where you know you get the realization of what it all means and how kind of depressing it actually all really is in the end and what it all kind of surmises to um even you know there's a really wonderful little moment again that shows kind of the intelligence of um you know the shaw family where paris is talking to novak and novak mentions you know again uh chayofsky and and, and Chekhov's gun and and yeah. you know and knows the concept but has never read you know uncle vanya or you <laughs> know great yeah things like and then, that and, but the and daughter then, had and has, she references yeah, yeah. And it's and like i just i'm more aware kind of, of the concept you know than yeah. anything else and that's perfect dude that's just like you know don't judge a book by its cover and you're gonna yeah. be a fucking asshole by going you're gonna reference something you've never even read you're such and a phony person, <laughs> yeah exactly and i think that's what the movie does really really well is calling out both sides of things right like yeah 
This um, also does what, like, and I was worried about this when it first kind of started and like this after like the scene with the funeral, I also kind of got dear Evan Hansen vibes a little bit where like you have a character coming in who says that they're, you know, attached to this family or knew this person really well that they yeah. were dating and a part of and like kind of taking advantage of that for you know their own personal gain um but this is more kind of like it never it never makes novak's character a saint and it never makes him kind of the knight in shining armor at the end of the film like he's still kind of a dick he's still somebody that you know like he he's becoming more acclimatized and a little bit more kind of integrated into the family as as we go along but the film never makes him a hero and i think that that's also really important there's there's one thing i have some issues with that i'll tell you after we've done the review that might be in spoiler territory just because it doesn't make sense from a tech side of things um and i think that like somebody would probably do something based on how they handle that but but anyways i know i'm being cryptic there but yeah it's it's one of those movies that it's not necessarily reinventing the wheel but in terms of the neo-noir you know postmodern true crime story it it has a good hook um there's an amazing sequence in this film that i think is just on par with zodiac where it looks at the sort of frustrating nature of the jurisdictions of departments yeah and how like nobody's very able funny, to collaborate with yeah. each other and it reminded mm. me of zodiac because part of why they were never able to catch the zodiac killer and collaborate is because no department shares information with one another and it's always passing it off to the other department it's like i don't yeah. want to deal with this. and i like, forget that like they're not even this necessarily departments they're completely different organizations yeah. right like and i forgot that in the u.s and in texas and, and places like there are that many different like police organizations, right. That all handle different areas or different things. And I think that that was masterfully done, like in a very funny way, but a very poignant way as well. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very subtle and sly with that kind of humor where it is played for big laughs where, you know, the cutting is more showy where, you know, you see him going from one, uh, you know, department or, or, judicial system to another system and then to another and it's like again like it's like the idea of just being so frustrated with solving this potential murder and then looking at it from a bigger point of view is that nobody's working together nobody's talking to each other and it's just basically another kind of you know tragic story that kind of will be forgotten about in a week and you know everybody has their own opinion on it and the facts will never stick because no matter you know the truth coming out everybody's going to you know question that and and especially when it comes to the truth and everybody will have their own angle on things and that will gain a following in itself and supporters and like there again there are there are moments of insight and and astute observation yeah but it what but what it does so well besides whataburger <clears throat> is that it makes you enjoy kind of the ride it's 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 as good as any kind of distractor you know you throw on a mm-hmm. true crime it's podcast a good thriller or, right like yeah it's, and it has something to say and it, it like i said it might not it's it pretty heavy hitting, but like not in like a it's super. It's better than don't look up. Way, like I, yeah, I rather I don't take this yeah. 
any day of the week because again it understands that in order to have that conversation you you can't just preach to the choir you have yeah, to open up that's fair. a dialogue to both mm-hmm. sides and be critical of both sides but also you can't just simply vilify one if you're vilifying the other side but then also trying to make a point by saying okay well you have to change your ways well the other side isn't going to even listen to you because you're just fuck you yeah yeah (laughs) because you're turning them into the monster and you have to say i think both things can work i think both things can um i've softened on don't look up quite a bit but i think that the sledgehammer to the face vilifying one side can work, but I think maybe it didn't completely in that in this, it is a little bit more balanced. And I think that it definitely works just better as a thriller than don't look up worked as a disaster movie as well. And like not saying that these movies should be exactly apples to apples comparison, but like, I just think this works as a smart, clever, thriller and like or neo-noir movie like you're saying like neo-noir thriller and it also has that kind of social commentary and political commentary like on top of it which actually kind of works throughout and i just really thought the family dynamic was great like setting a scene so many scenes about whataburger is really funny to me like just having that big dramatic scene at a whataburger parking lot is like funny uh and even if you don't know what whataburger is and if you don't like even that sequence where they're talking about why they love whataburger for people who are completely not familiar with whataburger i only know it shout out to andy cortez from uh kind of funny uh because andy is from texas and he talks about whataburger a lot on their shows and on podcasts and stuff like that and it is one of those things of like if you don't get it you just don't get it but if you're from texas you fucking love Whataburger. And like, I can even appreciate that part of it too, right? Like you have this local thing that like the rest of the U S or the rest of the world doesn't really understand. And you can't even explain like why it's great. Or it you just can. is. You, don't, you just don't feel like you even need to. Cause you're like, what are you talking about? It's Whataburger. <laughs> like, yeah. why wouldn't you go get Whataburger if it's the right there? Like, that's kind of how I feel about Taco Bell, but like, Taco Bell's not a local thing that's like only in Toronto. If it was, I'm sure I would never shut up about Taco Bell or something like that. Um, we don't, I guess we have that in certain places if someone really liked Harvey's or, but it's not even like a staple, like, I guess Arby's in a weird is. way would be that for us almost because, like, there's only but a that's few still of a very American. Thing no, 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 but I'm talking from like, the Canadian yeah. point of view because, like, if yeah, you're like ever in Oshawa, if you're ever in we Oshawa were, yeah. it's like, why not go? It's there, you know, dude. I had the when we came back from river rafting, go listen to the latest episode of the Untitled Movie Podcast. Uh, we pulled off, we, we made, we're like, we're going to get Taco Bell and off the highway, you know, when you get the highway signs that say what restaurants coming up, they're like, next exit, Taco Bell. Arby's and I'm like this is a mad mad ass exit right here because <laughs> I could go left and go to Arby's or right to go to Taco Bell um but anyways what a burger Andy talks about it all the time and he I think he talks about the spicy ketchup that they have and he just he loves what a burger um and I think it's just like such a Texan kind of thing so that sort of inside joke of what a burger or maybe like other Americans know that Texans really love what a burger like even as a Canadian who the only connection I had was Andy Cortez. Um, I still found all the Whataburger stuff very funny. And it made me really want Whataburger and to try it. 
and even just like him eating um, uh, the Frito in Chile, like that's also oh Frito pie is great too. Southern thing too. Yeah. Have you had that? No, I haven't. I've seen it on a ton of um, like restaurant shows. Like I know there was there was an episode on one of Anthony Bourdain's shows when he went to the South, and that was one of the things he had. And it was like a late night, like after you've you know gone to the bar. You can get it from like a snack truck kind of thing, or like it's like a. Some people call it like a wa- a walking taco because you, yeah. it's like you can you can eat it like it's a lot of taco ingredients but made with a, in a bag of Fritos. There used to be a place in Toronto called Hot Mess, which was Tex Mex Tex Mex food, um, and they had a great like Frito pie and, and and stuff that you could get there where they would or a bag of Doritos too. They do sometimes they would be like walking nachos, so you can just have this. It's so sloppy. And that should gross, have been the original name for like, this movie: Walking yeah. Nachos. <laughs> yeah. So, but he, uh, but even Boyd that, Holbrook, that I think, too. is is. Oh, I like, love Boyd Holbrook. He's good. Man. Thank you for bringing him he's, up because like, he's he, a great character actor, and I think yeah. that, like, that that's the thing. Like you you look at like what he's done with like obviously you know Logan and and, and things like that, and I I feel like he's one of those guys like Ashton Kutcher where yeah. the studio system was kind of putting him or trying to make him the next big thing, and I don't know if it really stuck but every time he appears in something he always picks kind of those unexpected parts and i really love that first scene where he's supposedly driving him back to the airport and then he kind of tries to convince him to join this crusade and talks about you know like when they're at the dinner table about like, you know, getting the internet to do their dirty work for them and like Reddit to like put out the contract hit, like stuff like that is very funny, but he, yeah, he's one of those actors where it's like, I don't know if he's really a movie star, but he reminds me so much of like a Colin Farrell where anytime you put him in a supporting role or sort of, you know, a lead in something that's maybe a, a smaller movie, he does really work well and he's really underrated. I totally agree with that. For me, he's on that same level as like Christopher Abbott for me, where um, Abbott's got some more leading roles in indie movies and stuff like that. But like, I'll always be more interested when I see his name pop up because I always know that like, even if the movie's not great or something like that, like Boyd Holbrook is one of those guys that I'm like, oh, I'm always curious to see what he's doing because I always end up thinking he's pretty good in everything that I watch. And Logan is the thing that recently that um, I'm like, man, he is the unsung hero of that movie where I feel like he is such a great villain in that movie. And uh, but anything I see him pop up, I didn't see Beckett. Did you end up watching Beckett? No, With, the last uh, thing I saw him in was um, The Cursed, which I didn't really love, but I didn't think he was bad in it. Um even with a kind of like yeah. faux British accent, he was he was actually more right. interesting and compelling than a lot of the movie was because I know that that film, the director did a rewrite halfway through shooting, so a lot of the film kind of feel, felt disjointed with like what it was going for. But he, yeah, he always, anytime he pops up in an ensemble or you know he's a lead in something that's a little bit smaller, there's there's something there. He's 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 a very wiry mm. presence and like there's just something about him where you're not sure whether or not he's going to like you know um embrace you or he's going to murder you and like there's this kind of unease yeah. with him that i think is always interesting like even when he's on the phone with with novak and he's convincing him to you know come to texas for the funeral and like that is interesting as well because it kind of shows you yeah. how weak will novak is as a person that can't 
just say no and still ends up going, but then also how, you know, dogged uh, uh, Boyd Holbrook is as a character as, as Ty. So mm-hmm. yeah, there's a lot of interesting dynamics going on and a lot of really fascinating characters, you know, it, it wears its heart on its sleeve when it comes to, you know, it's references with, you know, everything from Coen Brothers movies to, you know, again, Patty Chayofsky and, and all that kind of stuff. But I think it it works. I think it's one of those kind of little underrated gem kind of movies that it's like, you know, you come across it, you know, from years from now on, like a Netflix or a streamer site and you watch it or you give it a chance and you're kind of like, oh, that was that was a lot better than than I expected it to be. And that's kind of like what the whole movie is. It's, it's a film that, you know, if given the chance, you'll be surprised by it in a lot of ways. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's a, there's even some fun jokes that dig on, you know, Texas as a whole and like the divide within Texas, you know, like West Texas doesn't consider itself. Oh, right. Like Austin and Dallas, Dallas (laughs) and stuff like that. Or even like the dig at Richard Linklater, which I thought was kind of funny. Um, Yeah. You know, and like the football culture of it all, like, like there's stuff there that that was good too. That sequence is great. Yeah. Is stereotypical and cliched, but there's truth in it, but it doesn't just simply, um, you know, go for the low hanging fruit. Like it's more complex with how it treats all these characters. Totally. And shout out to Boyd Holbrook, who has the new Indiana Jones movie and the Sandman coming out in like Sandman soon, right? Like in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. And then, um, which I don't, I'll probably check out, but Neil Gaiman is one of those guys that I want to like more than I do. He's, He's always someone that's like, yeah, I like a lot of the same stuff that you do, but I never really got on I his agree. vibe like he's just one of those guys where it's like i like to hear him talk i like the like what he likes i just never like what he creates or i never mm-hmm. completely love it even though i respect him quite a bit yeah, and the totally. sandman's one of those things where it's like i remember reading some of it and i was like yeah it's i know fine. people love it but yeah they swear I'm... by it i and i know just neil gaiman fans in general where they're just like like i like Coraline. i think Coraline's probably the yeah. best thing that he's done um uh, but th- i think part of that is henry selick as well so yeah um and then yeah indiana jones i I guess reteaming with james mangold right too so i'm all for that so i'm excited anyways vengeance uh pretty good movie uh eric what are you giving it out of five i'm gonna give it three and a half out of five a solid three and a half i am also going to give it a very very solid three and a half uh like eric said i not a movie you necessarily need to rush out and go see in theaters but um if you, Saturday afternoon you're bored, you've seen everything else. Like, I mean, it's, you're not going to make a bad choice here, whether you wait for streaming or you um, pick it up. It's probably going to do that 45 day release thing too, because it's focus features. So it won't be too long till it's on streaming. But I think like it's a great matinee movie. Like I, I think like if you're a, a film fan like like us and love going to the movies randomly like on a weekend afternoon, like this is a a great choice. So. Uh, or a true crime podcast fan. Like I think yeah. you will enjoy kind That's of also the very beats true, yeah. that it, it 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 hits with that. Like it, it's again, the mystery stuff isn't really the most compelling, but it's enough of a hook to kind of get you interested in the storyline. And, yeah. and again, the 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 Shaw family, we didn't really even talk about um uh Jay Smith Cameron, who's you know She's on succession great. right Lover now and succession, has been yeah. uh, uh which maybe that could be something that is like if if somebody from the South is looking at it, it's like why'd you cast a you know a New Yorker over uh sure you know, yeah but 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 again like you know the performances are good 
Um, it's more empathetic than you would think it is. And it's also more biting and satirical and not afraid to, you know, poke fun at everybody and does so in a way that is both um, sincere, but also funny. And yeah, Kush, Ash, Ashton Kutcher, man, like who would have thought he had that in him? Um, I did not. Um, and it makes me excited for that 90 show because I read that article that he's playing the same character. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah, everyone's coming back for it. So I'm <laughs> playing the same well, game on this. Yeah. Almost uh, everybody. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yes. Everyone who's not a total shitbag is coming yeah. back. Um, we're referencing the other guy I mentioned earlier uh, that uh, we won't get into, but you know. Um, I do want Whataburger now, too. Am I looking at, like, is it only in Texas? I think it's only in Texas locations. And even um, it's it's kind of like um, in and out, right? In L.A., like it's like the thing. Yeah, that you where in and out is like a Californian thing, right? Yeah. Where I'm looking now in the U.S., it's probably only in Texas. I'm assuming. Like, say I put all in my Buffalo, exes are dead in Texas. No locations found. It's probably yeah, only in Texas. So when and I we go wouldn't to Texas, get it, it, it. Like yeah, like it's one of those things as well. Like. Even though, you know, the um, like it would probably spread throughout the U.S. first franchising wise and and we would probably get it like years from now because we only just started getting like Popeyes recently. Right. Or like in the last. Yeah. Mm, ten years, years or so. Ten years, I would yeah. say 10 years. Yeah. Because I no longer because I remember getting Popeyes. It takes a long time here. Now this is welcome to fast food talk. Uh, what was I going to call it? Trash train. That's going to be a segment <laughs> on the show eventually. Um, I thought you were going to call it trash trail. Uh, trash train might be a new segment because I want to get those. I want people to send us garbage. You know, <laughs> I want yeah. Mountain Dew to be like Matt. There's a new garbage flavor. Baja Mountain Blast. Dew. I had a Baja Blast freeze. I talked about it. It's great. Um, what was I going to say? Oh yeah, what a burger. And yeah, we had Popeyes. I remember having it as a kid. But also, what happens is that they have different menus. So like, if they launch something in the U.S., we don't get it until like way later like the Popeye's chicken sandwich remember those were popping off and uh, we didn't get we I remember me and you ordering it right when it was available at, at my place in Oshawa when I was down there but um, is there any Shake Shacks in Canada or is that like just like a New York Shake Shack started well? expanding because it was only in New York and then they opened in Vegas and I know they're in California now too so they're um, good as well Shake Shack is excellent um Shake Shack is fantastic. I don't know what I prefer out of all of them of the American burger chains. Like we got, I know Rhett and Link. I remember like, that I think was they like Shake Shack more. Yeah, I um, we Five Guys is a perfect example where we only got Five Guys like way later, and we that first one at Young and Dundas in Toronto was like a huge deal. Or Jolly Bee, even like Jolly Bee. Jolly Bee was recently. Yeah. yeah. I didn't like it. Have you had it? I haven't had it yet. There's one in Ajax. This is really going <laughs> deep into the weeds. Um, there's one in Ajax. It's right across the street from or, or in the same plaza as uh, Walmart and uh, Tim Hortons and Wendy's. Ajax used I, to have an Applebee's too. They still do. Like, they still oh, they do. do. It's still there. Oh, yeah. And they had the advertisements really? for Top Gun Maverick. Oh, yeah, baby. No. Why didn't yes. you go? I, we have to we have to do that one. We day, should do when like, the when the when the four K Blu-ray comes out of Top Gun Maverick, we should yeah. do like a special like recording there. I'm so down. Cause like that is the only Applebee's in 
God, and like Niagara Falls has some because like people, if <laughs> you might have even left or you're like listening to this garbage. Um, Applebee's there was in Niagara Falls is weird because Niagara Falls has like a lot of American chain stuff because it's right over the border and a lot of Americans come to the Canadian side. So they have like IHOP. They had Applebee's. There's a Chili's, I think, in one of them um, where we usually don't have any of these things. But I always remember it being weird that there was an Applebee's in Ajax. Like I just thought it was like weird that it is literally the only Applebee's in Ontario other than Niagara Falls. And then like, I remember being at, there's an Applebee's or a Chili's in the Calgary airport that I went to. It might've been a Chili's. Um, All these weird American chains that we just, which are very regular to people in the U S but we don't have here. They're more novelties. We have, we have Outback Steakhouse. Yeah. We, but the kegs are um, a version of that, right? Like, yeah. Where people in the U S wouldn't know what the hell the keg is. But the keg is our, yeah, our chain steakhouse. Ruth's Chris, I think, is an American thing that we have too. Um, what else was I going to bring up? IHOP, we don't have. We have lots of Denny's. What's um, the waffle place that's really popular in LA? Um, waffle House? Ma- no, no. Yeah, it's it like Ro- House, isn't it? uh, No, no. Uh, like Roscoe's. Oh, okay. It's yeah, a really no, good I thought one that's in LA. like a small thing. Yeah, that's um, an amazing place to go to. Olive Gardens, we don't have. We used to. Um, we used to have Olive Garden, though, a long time ago, like in yeah. the 90s. And they still, weirdly, I was at the grocery store with Nevis the other day, and they sell Olive Garden salad dressing, which I think is so interesting when it's like not a thing here, but people still know it well enough to buy the salad dressing at the yeah. grocery store. And then Jack in the Box is another one, right, that we don't have? Sonic. Dra- Remember they tried opening... Jack in the Box is here? No, what was that that they tried opening here? The one with the fucking, they used to have the women in bikinis on the eating. Oh, that's Carl's. On Carl's. Isn't that Carl's, right? Because it was like that, it was infamous for that Paris Hilton commercial, right? Like that was like the big. So they opened a Carl's Jr. in that old HMV on Queen Street. And then that bombed as well. It's so interesting when these like American chain restaurants open something in Canada and just don't work. Like people don't don't want it. Tim like, Hortons has too strong of a hold. On well, Tim Hortons public. is owned by American Burger King now, right? Like, yeah, I think. And um, but it's even Burger King. Burger King is like, even though there there are Burger Kings in Canada, it's probably like the fourth or fifth place you would go and like nobody like there's nobody talks about Burger King in Canada. You know, like like you're either gonna go to McDonald's, Wendy's. You know, if if there's an Arby's around you, like you'll which are all American chains that KFC, yeah, those all made their way here and succeeded. Yeah, Burger Um, King too, but again, Burger King's like one that seems more popular in the. I feel like when we were kids, Burger King was more like I remember getting the crown and getting the Burger King kids meal and stuff like that was like a hip alternative to the Happy Meal. I feel like when you were a little bit older, I used to get like the big kids (laughs) meal. And Burger then, King like, being hip is funny. It, well, compared to like when you're a kid, you know, like when I reveled against my dad and started drinking Pepsi products for a little while, right? Like my dad was a big Coke guy. And then yeah. as a kid, how I was like, I need to rebel against my dad. I started drinking Pepsi products and I remember him being very disappointed in me. I was a big wild cherry Pepsi and Pepsi Max kid. Um, I also think I it's like... like- I think it's maybe also how like you're marketed as a kid as well. Like what like toys or like kids meal uh, 
exclusives they have. Like I remember Burger King got the Pokemon stuff. Yeah. And that, that was, was kind a of huge like reason why I went there. Yeah. Pokemon the first movie stuff. Yeah. And then for me, Taco Bell, KFC, Pizza Hut, the Holy Trinity, um, <laughs> were all one company, right? So yeah. they always had like whatever one would have, they all would have. So I remember them getting the Casper toys yes. for the Casper. The movies, puppet hands. Which, yeah, were amazing. And, Flipper? Uh, Flipper. Uh, Star Wars was huge when they got all the prequel stuff. So like that's one thing like I want to do a whole episode on movie tie-ins to like fast food restaurants we don't get enough of them anymore i know the happy meal still exists you get cool toys once in a while but you don't get the adult like collector's cup shit anymore you're talking like and the batman forever like, glasses yeah, like, and or like the dino sized fucking mcdonald's fries which would have like a stupid ass dinosaur cup and shit like that like or at pizza hut getting some garbage plastic cup with my meal or something like that like bring i know you get that at the movie theater now and that's probably maybe like an exclusive thing that they have or maybe like we make fun of the papa john's uncharted thing and and like the batman uh calzone was the last ridiculous one but like you don't see like the big boys really doing it anymore you don't see the mcdonald's or the 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 taco bells really getting into that game anymore which is interesting always love the commercials too like I, I remember distinctly, I think my first like promotion that I remember quite fondly was the Batman Returns yeah, stuff at McDonald's. Exactly. Yeah. Because like I remember, I remember like remember the too. penguin in the little kind of duck mobile that you could get. And when you put it on the, the floor, it had like the umbrella kind of like pointed yep. at it. So it spun yep. all that and stuff. The commercials I remember. Were great. Yeah. Yeah. And then the Batman Forever and Batman and Robin ones, I really, really remember too. Flipper um, was the yeah. weird one because I remember Flipper you could get. Good. Because Flipper and Casper were very similar, where like you could get the puppets, the hand shark, like the hammerhead shark, and Flipper, and I think Flipper, you could put it in water, and like there was like a, like it almost like acted like a super soaker. Because yeah. yeah, Casper oh, yeah, yeah, glow, yeah. glowed in the dark, glowed in like, the dark. That's what and I the three yeah. brothers, yeah. Good shit, man. And then Taco Bell back. did really well with uh, episode one, also. Like I remember going to Taco Bell a lot during uh the phantom menace promotion because they had i think that's where my love of taco bell came from to be honest i owe it to george lucas (laughs) (laughs) because like i remember like they had like there was the one thing that i had to have which was like it was boba fett like a boba fett figure that was kind of like vertical and you had he had like a balance thing that you could put him on and the balance kind of stand was like the pit Oh my and god, it was look kind at these of... ridiculous cups that you could get. I had these. Man, like $64 on eBay? That's pretty good. I might buy these. Um look what vengeance brought out in us. <laughs> I mean, I think it's it it makes sense because of the tie-in, right? Of like yeah. the um the Sebulba cup. Oh my god, I need the Watto cup topper and cup. Like, are you fucking kidding me? I need to buy this stupid thing and drink my iced coffee out of it in the mornings or something. Um, I got to send this to you and anyone, you can just Google Phantom Menace cup toppers. Oh, they had like the pogs and shit you would get or whatever. Right. Like those little, oh yeah, like pog things. And they had this mat. Oh, it was the defeat the dark side and win. So it was kind of like monopoly at uh, McDonald's popped off like crazy in like when we were kids and it's still a big thing now, but I'm going to send you this. I need it. I need it. 
I need it. I need it. I need it. As I'm sure that people like people love this stuff, right? And we talk about photos. Um, I definitely need that Watto cup to drink iced coffee out of every day. Um, that's all I want. Anyways, there's a Sebulba one. I'll get you the Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> now Yippee. this is iced coffee. You can say every morning, man. All right, everyone. Uh, I would love to do a full episode on. We should. We should. Memorabilia tie in. I would love that. Um, I would do a whole show on that. The other thing about this movie to bring it back to vengeance before we sign off. It made me like, I think there's so many different styles of podcasts and it made me interested in making something that wasn't just two people talking. You know what I mean? Like, I know that there's a whole subsect of, you know, produced podcasts where there's a script and music and voiceover narration and all this stuff that it made me go. I always had this idea of a documentary I wanted to make, but I'm like, oh, I could make this into a podcast. And I know that's like people make fun of everyone who says that. I mean, we've been doing this for 10 years, whatever. Make fun of us. I don't care. Um, but it made me go, oh, if I ever did another show, I would try to do something like that. That was more like I want to put together, not exploit people or anything like that, um, but put together like a, like a documentary style podcast or something like that. It would have to be some sort of like investigative piece on like one of the most ridiculous things that yes. maybe like obsessed you as a kid. Like I know you've always talked about it before, but like even like something like like a, an episode of like Are You Afraid of the Dark? You know, like yeah. something where it's like, you know, the episodes where the child's cold, like being freaky, like how that kind of came to be. Like you have to kind of yeah. almost do the Earl Morris style where you zoom in on the most minute detail or something that maybe you only are so obsessed with and then mm. start there and then kind of, you know, expand Even from more that. ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. The other like American one Vandal had, in a way, I guess. Yeah. American Vandal, but a podcast version, which I'm sure that exists and stuff too, like satire. But um, I always wanted to do about the theatrical experience too and call it is cinema dead or cinema is dead or maybe both of those things and talk to like who killed you know, cinema. The, yeah. Basically do like a, a murder podcast about cinema being dead. <laughs> like, I think that would be funny and fun. Like uh, do it like serial, do it like this and like interview projectionists and the head of different film formats and, Ellis Jacob from Cineplex and uh, you know, the head of Netflix, the head of Blockbuster, like all of this stuff, like interview these people and and put it into a podcast and see like what killed cinema and like, but or say like, is is cinema actually dead? Because that's just I like that statement when people say cinema's dead, whenever you see something like whatever marvel being popular or or whatever is just like streamers kind of being streamers the go-to yeah, choice like, for entertainment right and i think it could be like an interesting investigative but with our own silly kind of stupid spin on it where i wouldn't take it too seriously but um i think that would be fun so will i ever make that I'll talk about it a lot and I'll probably never do it, but I would like to. So remember like, this show. Are you right afraid here. of the dank? <laughs> uh, are you afraid of the dank will happen one day? Um, I just like weed is one of those things too, where it's just like, do I want to put it so out there? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I know it's legal and it's fine, but like it's not legal everywhere. 
So it's just one of those things where it's like, do I want to be a host of a stoner podcast? Yes. But do I want to put it that out there? Um, I think it's a great title. I would love to just get high and watch. Are you afraid of the dark? I think it would be fun as hell. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's less niche than our, uh, the, are you afraid of the mank podcast? (laughs) (laughs) Last one episode. All right. Bye everyone. Oh, go, go, what, go what are you doing? Our other, go, go, go listen to our other stuff. We have other reviews. I should do an outro. If you've gotten this far, you probably already know who we are. Nope. Russo Brothers, Gray Man, Love and Thunder. Latest episode talking about Comic-Con over on Untitled Movie Podcast. Go check those out. Uh, one-stop shop over at Letterboxd, Untitled underscore cast. Uh, follow me at Matt Rohrbeck everywhere. And I'm Eric Marchin. You can find more of my video reviews on rogerstv.com slash cinemascene and on the social medias at EF6211. Until next time. 100%. 100%. <laughs>